Well, I want to welcome you to the Hills Church at Home. Now, you might be catching up uh, on some of our messages. You might be listening by podcast, but we are so glad that you're a part today. In fact, I think some of the verses that we will go over are so important in our times and in our, our days. So let me encourage you to do that first. If you can, go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org. You can download the message notes. In fact, I'd encourage you to keep the last couple of weeks together as we've been looking at some of the end times and end time verses. So important for you to go back and to read over those. And you can also download our kids activity sheet as well to allow them to be active in things that are happening in scripture. You know, my message today is in the days of Noah. We're going to look at uh, a teaching that Jesus mentioned out of uh, the book and the gospel of Luke and out of uh, Matthew that was captured. He also mentions Noah and Lot in Luke, but we're going to look for a little bit at Noah. We'll get there in just a minute because there are some of the verses that I definitely want to go over. In fact, I always want to start with this one, especially when we look at end times and we always we always love to think of dates and times and calendars and events. And Jesus says these words in Matthew 24, 36, but of that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, but my father only. My father only knows. So we should never speculate um, you know, it's human to want to know, but we're to trust the Lord Jesus. We're to trust his words. We're to be at work in his kingdom. We're part of that family business. We are to be begin to tell others as many as we can about the Lord and that he is coming soon. Let me read a couple of verses before we get into all this today, just to kind of alert us to the signs of the times, the days in which we're living and I want to read 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 4, out of the New King James and then out of the Passion Translation. Let's do New King James first. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. The Passion Translation says this, but you need to be aware that in the final days, the culture of society will become extremely fierce. People will be self-centered lovers of themselves and obsessed with money. They will boast of great things as they strut around in their arrogant pride and mock all that is right. They will ignore their own families. They will be ungrateful and ungodly. They will become addicted to hateful and malicious slander, slaves to their own desires. They will be ferocious, belligerent haters of what is good and what is right. With brutal treachery, 
They will act without restraint, bigoted and wrapped in clouds of deceit. But listen to this. They will find their delight in the pleasures of this world more than in the pleasures of the loving God. Let's let that sink in. They will find their delight in the pleasures of this world more than the pleasures of a loving God. So Father, we pray as we kick this off today and we look at our world situation, but we're not to look and be hopeless. We're to look and be hopeful. We are to, to know and to remain and to be positive that Jesus is coming soon, but we're partners with him on the work that he's doing here on earth. We're not to let the signs of the time be in a discouragement. We're to allow it to awaken us, to, uh, to engage our faith with the word of God. And we bless you this, this day, our Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, last week we covered, in fact, you can go back and listen to it. You can look at the notes. We looked at the Apostle Paul that he began to talk about. We use the word rapture. The Apostle Paul wrote the word, the gathering together. So we're going to use that word rapture. In fact, he teaches about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18. Some of the things that take place that happen when Jesus comes. In fact, it reminds me that it's when God says, like when he turns Jesus and he says, go get my church, that those things that Paul writes about in 1 Thessalonians happen. In 2 Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul reads this word. In fact, I wanted to bring out just this one verse very quickly, and he says this. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and the gathering together to him, we ask. Two things the Apostle Paul will say in that one verse. The coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together with him. Now, I want to indicate this, that that is talking about two separate events. One, Jesus, or he is coming for his church as the apostle Paul wrote about in 1 Thessalonians, where the church is raptured or gathered together in the air. The second is he is coming back to earth with his church. Two events, the rapture of the church and the coming back of the church. So the apostle Paul wants us to make it clear about those two events. And he'll go on to say, I don't want you to be shaken and I don't want you to be deceived because Paul was writing these things to settle because everyone thought, in fact, there was teachings going on that Jesus had already returned and that we were in the tribulation back in those times. Paul was reassuring them, Jesus has not returned. And the tribulation is not now. Those two events are going to take place. His coming together and then eventually his coming again. But I wanted to pull out this one verse as we got started today. So, so, so important. And I want to read this. And I want to give you my insight on what could be holding back the whole rapture, the Antichrist, the tribulation. I want to read this. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 5 through 8. Remember, uh, the apostle Paul is the one that teaches on the, the gathering together, the being caught up, the rapture. 
and on the Antichrist. And also, you know, John writes about it in Revelation. Listen to what he says. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things and how you know what is restraining. And now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. Now, what he's first talking about is the Antichrist. Now he goes on and he says this, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Let me read that one verse again. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Listen to these words. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Let, let me comment on this. Notice what it's saying. This he is restraining and will be taken out of the way for the lawless one, the Antichrist, to appear. Something is restraining him to come. That's our, our question today. In fact, my New King James Bible lists the he as capital. In fact, it actually uh, has a, a numerical feature by it. When you, when you look at it, it's correct doing it lowercase. In the New King James, several other translations, whenever God is mentioned, whenever he or him or those different pronouns are used, it's always capitalized out of the utmost respect to a holy God. This one is very interesting. He who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Well, let's think about it for a minute. Is the Apostle Paul talking about governments that are restraining the Antichrist? Are governments holding back the Antichrist to come? No. Is it the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit holding back the Antichrist and the Holy Spirit will leave and the Antichrist will come? No, because we know this, the Holy Spirit will still be here during the tribulation because people are still getting saved. We know that people get saved and healed and the Holy Spirit is still active. He doesn't leave. Is it the church? Is the church the he that he's mentioning that is holding back the lawless one, the Antichrist? And when the church disappears, then he comes. That's exactly what I believe. I believe that it is the church, the body of Christ, that is holding back the Antichrist coming on the scene. Think about this. The Antichrist cannot be revealed until the church, the Christians, are removed. Think about this. Satan can bring persecution against us, but persecution never destroyed the church. Persecution only expanded the church. In fact, we read in the book of Acts, it grew. So the more Satan brings persecution, the more powerful we become. And not only are believers praying for the rapture of the church. In fact, we read in the New Testament, the word Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Satan will probably be glad when the church is out so that he can be lawless and put this person 
in, into position and be fully in control. But as long as there are believers on the earth, we know a thousand, one can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. We understand the power of the authority of the believer. And so truly, I believe it is the believers, the Christian, the church, that is the one that restrains. And when once the church is gone, then the Antichrist can come on the scene. You know, the early church, when they were beaten for speaking the name of Jesus, they counted themselves worthy to suffer because of his name. So it's not persecution that causes it to happen. It's the removal of the church. Isn't it interesting that the persecution, even that we're noticing in America on the Christian church, we know it happens around the world, but it's the Christian church. And I believe when the church is removed that the Antichrist comes on the scene. In fact, we read a, a, a few things about um, this in the Bible. In fact, we know that uh, we know that Peter knew, in fact, by the Lord, that there was power in the church because Jesus told him, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So not even the gates, the full power of hell will prevail against the church. So Satan can bring as much persecution as he wants against the church, but he cannot remove the power of the church. The only way the church is removed is when the Lord Jesus returns. It's interesting. In fact, let me mention this and we'll get right into the Noah's days. The Bible mentions, if you read on there, that there's a falling away. In fact, it's not a falling away. It's the falling away. We know that even the elect will be deceived. I, I read um, two articles just this week of a Christian writer. In fact, I won't mention the full name. Uh, he was an institute teacher at a very prominent institute. He had his doctorate in theology, and he, he wrote this as he decided that he did not believe in Christianity anymore. And he said, I think it's important to say I'm just not a Christian anymore, and it feels really good. I'm really happy. I'm really happy. Another writer of a very uh, famous church that produces a lot of the worship music today. He wrote, I genuinely am losing my faith and it doesn't bother me. Like what bothers me now is nothing. I'm so happy now. I'm at peace in this world. It's crazy. The, we read the falling away. But we also believe and know that there are many that are coming to the Lord Jesus Christ, but those that have been taught and followed him and surrendered their life and been students of it. We see this more and more. It seems like it's every single week that it really becomes a sign of our time. And I believe it's when the church is removed that the Bible calls him the man of sin is revealed. The Antichrist comes on the scene. We'll pick that back up in just a couple of weeks. Let me read this verse in Genesis chapter five. Back now, we're going back to the days of Noah, Genesis chapter six. And it says, then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Notice in a 14 or 1500 year period, 
from Adam and Eve until where we are in Genesis chapter 6, that the wickedness of man was great on the word and every intent of the thoughts of the heart was wicked. In fact, we read later on that um, God finds Noah and God finds that Noah is righteous. And we'll look at that verse. And I wanted to mention this. You know, we hear a lot today that our world is going to be destroyed by uh, pollution and climate change. But the world back in these times did not die from pollution. But what did it die from? Or what happened? The pollution of the soul by sin was getting worse and worse. In fact, then judgment came, flood, fire, and brimstone. It wasn't the pollution. It was the pollution of the soul. I want you to think about that, that we can pass laws and legislations. We can do all the things necessary to try to stop, but that doesn't stop the thoughts and intents of the heart. In fact, we read back in those, even those early days when they should have known better because of, of the message of the day, probably passed down from Adam and Eve and so forth, their hearts were so intent on wickedness that it never changed. In fact, we know that uh, God finds Noah, that no one was righteous. And in Genesis chapter 7, verse 19, it reads, so they entered, talking about the ark, male and female of all flesh. They went in as God has commanded, and the Lord was the one that shut the door. Eight people, eight people out of the entire world were the ones that were spared, and God shut them in. Now, Jesus picks this up in Luke chapter 17. I hope you're staying with me and read these Bible verses because these are so important. Jesus says this. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will also be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Here's the hints. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted and were built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Listen to what it says. Even so it will be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. When the Son of Man is revealed. Let me uh, highlight what we just read. One of the signs that we'll see from Noah's day and Lot's day, eating, drinking, buying, selling, planting, building, living life, right? People living life, living unaware, thoughts, intents of the heart, wicked, living life, living for self, uh, climbing the ladder, doing everything, not even aware of the signs of the times, and yet right around a society back in both of those days, Noah's in particular and lots, all of these things were going on. They were unaware of the signs of the times. And I thought this interesting. Let me bring up this thought. I want you to think about this. Have you noticed in our day that um, everything seems to revolve around food, right? Food. Uh, it's interesting that our, our culture, in fact, it's really like a subgenre of food shows. So I looked up, there are about 100 
food shows in production. And it's, re it's really jumped off the charts. I can even remember visiting my grandma years and years and years ago, and she would watch a lady by the name of Julia Childs. And you probably have to look up to see what she did. And, I, and the reason I remembered it, because I would always tease my grandma, because Julia Childs always like cooked with wine, drank wine. And I said, it doesn't seem like she does anything without wine. I feel like she puts wine in her chocolate chip cookies. Well, back several, several years ago, there was only a couple people that were on there. Now, there are so many chefs. In fact, they're called celebrity chefs. A hundred shows in production. And I thought about this. It's almost like food has become a religion. There are influencers that have their own uh, shows that are nothing to do with about, about them traveling and tasting food. You know, the top 100 steakhouses in the United States, the top 100 pizza locations in the United States. It's interesting. You can almost find on anything it has to do with food. We're like a food culture. And we, it's not just cooking shows. You don't even need a cookbook anymore. We have cooking apps. We have cooking. We have online recipes. Video helps. There should be no reason that we mess up something. We're following the video helps. We have smart ovens, smart barbecues, smart meat temperature thermometers that are linked to apps that are in our smartphones. Crockpots are old. What's in is Instapots, right? Every, every uh, recipe that you can do now with an Instapot, yet we still order food for delivery. We notice there are low-carb diets, gluten-free diets. Uh, there are vegetarians, vegans, there's fruitarians. In fact, I learned that one, nothing but fruit. There are also pescatarians. There's diets, paleo, keto, and I know I'm missing a bunch. So many different ways nowadays. Now, I read these and I thought it was just funny to share uh, of certain diets that are out there that are kind of famous these days. Have you heard of these? The taco cleanse? Boy, I I read that. I loved it. Now it's veg vegetarian talk. Taco cleanse. Hard-boiled egg diet. Yeah, that's true. Hard-boiled egg diet. And I thought, if you're eating hard-boiled eggs for a couple of days, I don't think anybody's going to want to be around you, if you know what I mean. We know that Tom Brady, the quarterback now of the Tampa Bay Bucks here, he's got his own diet, TB12 diet. Dr. Phil has a diet. There's the Daniel fast that a lot of Christians and churches do. It's, uh, and there's the Hollywood cookie diet. <laughs> and then lastly, that I think will probably gross all of us out is the baby food diet. Now, let me go back that Jesus mentions, look what was happening in the day before the flood came and before Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. And one of the things was, Everybody was about life. In fact, this one says eating and drinking and going about life. And yet God uses Noah for over a hundred years to build not, not a ship like we would think. Really, it was like a floating box with rooms. hundred years. But I wanted to pull out what Peter referred to in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, picking up on this. And he says, and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, 
bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly. Notice Noah was spared, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness. Well, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7 says this, By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of the household. Here's the one thing that we know back in Bible times is it had not rained yet. In fact, the, uh, everything was watered up from the ground, right? Like a mist came up from the ground. This was going to be a whole new experience because it was going to be a completely universal flood over the entire earth. So he's warned of things that is not yet seen. He's not a master craftsman shipbuilder. He's going to follow the instructions of the Lord. But he was moved with godly fear and he prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. I wanted to go back to that one, a preacher of righteousness. You know, the Bible doesn't record anything that Noah said in terms of being a preacher of righteousness. You know, the word preacher, a herald speaking about. We don't know if people asked Moses, what in the, what kind of project are you working on? And if he told them, if they, you know, if they laughed, if he had an opportunity, we, we don't know, but he was in his day referred to as a preacher of righteousness. You know, I thought about that. God uses him uh, not only that he has fear of the Lord and he's following the things he needs to be built out, but he's using him by uh, what I would just call a hammer and nails. Somehow, some way, he's referred to as a preacher of righteousness. Interesting, there's somebody else in the Bible referred to that. In fact, that is John the Baptist. In fact, uh, it was mentioned of him by Jesus, for John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But tax collectors and harlots believed him, and when you saw it, you did not afterward relent and believe him. You know, when I read that, I thought, thought about it. Here's Noah for a, over a hundred years, building something for the day that they go in the ark and the door is shut. Well, after all, the animals come two by two. Not anybody else comes, which lets us know not anybody else was believing. We don't know if they were mocked, but we know this. He's referred to in his day as a preacher of righteousness. You know, the greatest thing that we can do in preparation for Jesus's returns is it be said of us that we were preachers of righteousness. We were heralds. We were telling people, we prayed to the Father that as we went about our day, that we were able to come across people that we could just stop and share this good news that we could be used as his labors to go forth and to tell others. Because as we're reading all of these things, we're reading that we are living in the last days, the end of times. There are signs around us. There are, there are, there are things ticking by the day. In fact, we're noticing things escalate, sure, a lot more in our days. But are we being preachers of righteousness? 
Before we close, let me go back up and we read that one verse out of Genesis 6, 5. Notice the Lord saw the, that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and in every intent of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. You know, one of the things as, as I read that that I think of is I am always so shocked that the father himself didn't wipe everything out and said, you know what, this did not work out at all. He never did that. In fact, there is a, a love that will never understand that God so loved us that when he found one righteous, he would spare the entire human race. When Abraham prayed and asked God that if he found 50 righteous, 30 righteous, 10 righteous in the city, it would God spare it and God would. But God got Lot and his family out of it before destruction. God's passion and love for us is something that we'll never understand in human terms. But it, he shows us by his love and even by sending his only son, Jesus, to die for us, how much he loves us. And he's given us a way of escape. In fact, I know we say this each and every week if you've if you've tuned in or you've followed along, but the most important prayer that you can ever pray is praying that Jesus is the Lord of your life. It's really that first step. In fact, I want to encourage you to do that with me. We pull this prayer out of Romans 10, 9, and 10. If you've never prayed this before, I pray that your heart is open to do so today. If you have been running from God, I pray today is a day that you stop and you turn around, but I encourage you to pray this and come back to your father. Pray this with me. Dear God, I believe that Jesus lived, died, and rose again for me. I accept him as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for forgiving me of all of my sins. And today I begin my relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. In fact, I'd encourage you, if you prayed that for the first time or you're making it an opportunity to do a turn and come back to the Lord, I pray that you would connect with us. You can do so through the email that's on the screen. You can also connect with us on the social media platforms that you're following, watching, or you can do so through our website. So, so, so important in these days that we are aware that we're living in the last days signs are happening. Things are moving so quickly. We've got to be aware. We can't hunker down and hide out. We've got to be those preachers of righteousness, just like Noah was called, that Jesus uh, mentioned about his life and Peter picked up on it. Well, as we receive our tithes and offerings today, I want to read this one verse out of Psalm 106, verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. For he is good and his mercy endures forever. He is good. And I believe, and as we say it each and every week, he is at work in your life. I pray that you trust him and trust him in your giving. Pray this with me. Pray it from your heart, right? Pray it from your heart as if this was something you were specifically saying unto your father. Pray this with me. As I give in today's offering, I give thanks to the God of my salvation, who gave me a new heart and a new life in him. 
Thank you, Lord, for all of your provisions. And I am amazed at how you are watching over every detail of my life. I bring my offering to you this day with a thankful heart. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, and if you're giving today online, you can go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org. You can click on the give button on the top of the right-hand screen. It's safe, it's fast, it's secure. You can also give by mail. You can write to us, the Hills Church and its P.O. Box, 661419, Arcadia, California, 91066. Boy, I pray that you follow along each and every week as we keep walking through what the Bible says. You know, and I mentioned this uh, last week when we looked at the different things that we can see in the Bible of when Jesus might come back, whether there's a rapture, a mid-trib, a post-trib. And, you know, whatever line you fall on, you may not be right or you may not be wrong, and it does not affect your salvation. We all look at those scriptures, but we know that only God knows. But when we look in the word, we know that. In fact, I settled back in on that, that the one that is taken off, the church, the power of the church allows that Antichrist to come when all things change here on earth. And I believe that can be any moment of any day. Hey, each and every week we close with Psalm 121, 1 and 2. I want to read it out of a different translation. This is the message translation. Listen to this. In fact, I love this. I look up to the mountains, but does my strength come from the mountains? No. My strength comes from God who made heaven and earth and the mountains. Hey, we pray today and throughout your week, your strength doesn't come by mountains. Your strength comes from God. If God could recreate those powerful mountains that are immovable, uh, isn't it amazing that his power and his strength is given to you by God and that God is at work in your life? We pray that over you. We believe that over you. And you be blessed in all that you do. We 